Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 37 of the Stream Bucket Podcast. Thank God it's February. Yeah. Yeah. January went on two weeks too long. It's two weeks too long. Yeah. It's just a horrible month. <laughs> and I know people get defensive about January if their birthday's in January. When I, I say, people go, my birthday's in January. Well, yeah, but it's the worst month. It is the worst month, without a doubt. It's got Blue Monday in it. It is grim. I'm so happy it's done. February's much, not much better, but at least you can see light at the end of the tunnel. I've got to say as well, it's a bit of a drought for film releases, I thought. 1917? <laughs> yeah, I guess, but that was early on. But generally, like, there's been like a week, two weeks where there's nothing I want to see. No, that's true, yeah. Like, The Grudge. I was going to review The Grudge. I can't be bothered. Oh, has that come out? Yeah. Oh. Came out last week. It... Oh my god, that's going to bomb so bad. It probably already has. They've done nothing. There's been no um, promotion for it. I've seen some. I've seen some at the cinema and a couple YouTube videos, but yeah, no, there's no buzz. And I've, what, where is this lighthouse that we've been waiting on well, for so long? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But when was it in the 1930s when we watched the trailer and thought <laughs> this is the best film ever? We need to see it. Instantly. Yeah, God, but did it come out around the time we watched uh, Midsummer? I swear, yeah, something along those lines. And I swear it was released in America like October time in the autumn. I, I can't really recall. I think they showed it at film festivals. I'm not sure if it's been released properly. Okay. Oh no, it must have done because it's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Oh whatever, whatever. We'll find a way to watch it. Coming up though, you've got Color Out of Space. That's coming out Feb. Yes, yes we do. Probably going to have to go to Prince Charles Cinema to watch it. Do you think? Yeah, that's the only place I've seen advertising it. Oh my god. But still. But yeah, so welcome to a new show. Um, We've got loads of stuff coming up. This has been a show that's written itself, really. Yeah, that is one uh, silver lining. Yeah, Um, we've got Oscars next week. Yeah. Um, We've got a lovely fortnight schmort night full of lots of good news. Weird. And we've got to spend some time talking about some bad news as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. We'll come up to that. But yeah, so last week you randomly chose the word. World famous. Words, yes. Yeah, world famous. Uh, so you went away and picked a film. Yes, I did. What did you pick? I picked The Truman Show. Ooh. A film about someone going through world fame. The fa- world being world famous, but not even knowing that he's world famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how he comes to grips with it. Yes. Uh, weird theme picking because obviously Oscar's world famous. Yeah. Yeah. True. Moon show. Gross. Had to be done. Um, you've been watching anything? No. Really? I oh, I tell you what I watched. I watched yesterday. I watched Six Underground. Oh. Yeah. Um, I really liked Six Underground. I liked it. Um, the car chase at the start went on for way too long. Oh yeah, but it's brilliant. I would have been happy if that was the whole film. Oh my god, I thought the opposite. Really? By the end of it, I was thinking, oh my god, is this the whole film? The, when they're skidding around and watching the... Watch out for the baby! Oh god, it's like, <laughs> almost naked gun. <laughs> Do you know what it reminded me of? Archer. I think I said that in my review. It had an Archer vibe. Yeah. I remember to be an Archer. Uh... Mm. The surgeon be Lana? Like, right. They're all just shouting each other. Yeah. I really like that. The sort of into character bickering. It was... It, no, you know what? It was a very enjoyable film. And it's very accessible, I think. I think it's one of those action movies where like anyone can definitely watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I think by the end it got too Michael Bay for me. Did it? Yeah. Oh, what, the magnets? or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was dumb. 
but that's fun. Like I was, like I said in my review, I think I said in my review, there's loads of set pieces that are really good. Yeah. But there is a point when you start sort of, what's going on? <laughs> Why is that happening? But yes. Apart from that, um, uh, it's not film related, but I'm, it sort of is. I met a B-list celebrity on Monday. I met CKY. Ooh. Do you know who CKY are? I do know CKY. That comes from the jackass period of my teenage years. Yeah. So the, there's only two of them now. Uh, Jess Magara, Bam Magara's brother. And then the other guy, who's the guitarist and lead singer. Okay. So had a little fangirl. Uh, met them and talked about how I remember the movie. You had a little fangirl? I had it. What was the name? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, we... No, we, I, I was telling him I remember Tony Hawk and listening to CKY yeah, and Tony yeah. Hawk. And it all, yeah, it was, no, so it's cool. It's cool. What was the big CKY song? What was uh, the one that was everywhere? 96 Quite Bit of Beings, I think. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that was on Tony Hawk 3. Yes. So yeah, so that was cool. Okay, uh, awesome. Yeah, what about you? What have you been watching? Well, I've been editing a lot, um, so I haven't watched too much. I haven't really found a time to go to the cinema either but I watched Picard episode one was it any good well you watched Discovery didn't you yeah what a car crash that was awful yeah okay in comparison Picard is the best thing ever made oh really it's really it's down a notch it's a lot slower and it's a lot takes its time a lot more which is really you really think of Star Trek Discovery that's what they weren't doing right okay yeah. quick get over there get over there Picard's like mm, yeah just let's just chill out for a bit is get to know is it because he's old is it because he's Partly, got days and the... it, it acknowledges that like there's a point when they're being chased and he's like oh, I can't drop those stairs oh really yeah which is really good you don't want to make him the thing with Star Trek Picard especially in the films they turn him into an action hero he was right. never an action hero he was a diplomat yeah but they still made him into this old man. And it was dumb. Um, but this time, yeah, they acknowledge that he's old, that he can't run very fast. Um, the only thing is, and you're not a massive Star Trek fan, so this might not, this might go over your head a bit. But Star Trek was always um, a paradise. It was humanity has got over the badness, mm. racism, poverty, um, illiteracy. It's all gone. We live in a perfect world. Star Trek is about then going out and meeting other people. Okay. So we've solved all our problems. Let's go meet other people. That's what Star Trek always was from day one. Uh, bearing in mind that the it started in the 60s when there was Cold War, racism. It was all the worst of the worst of the worst. Um, it, and that carried on. Deep Space Nine, it started getting a bit iffy, but that's because of war. So it's a perfect society dealing with war. And it sort of examined some of these things. Picard is very much set in the future of now. Okay. In that it's got racism again. There's Fox News, kind of. Uh, this paradise world, we see bits, we see like Paris and stuff. And it just looks like it's our Blade Runner. Oh. It's not paradise anymore. And I, I get that it's in the future. But it seems at odds of what it's supposed to be. Well, I, the, tr- the trailer that I watched it seemed to be trying to portray a story of sadness and a, an old guy, um, I don't know, getting used to elderliness. 
And uh, yeah. maybe they're trying to create a world where that works better. I don't know. What it to me? I mean, the cynic would say that they just don't know Star Trek, which is possible. <laughs> um, well, after that absolute train wreck of a show. Yeah, um, and it's got Alex Kurtzman, Damon Lindelof's fingerprints all over it. I don't know who they are. They're the okay. So they wrote the Star Trek films, but they also the Transformers. Right. So what their specialty seems to be is taking a well-loved uh, franchise and ruining it. Okay. And making it more accessible, making it dumber, making it more uh, action. Right. That's what they do all the bloody time. They're, they're used to work with J.J. Abrams. That sort of it's covers it. Right, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all the same. Um, and also, yeah, and also it's, it's dealing with something that happened in the J.J. Abrams Trek as well. So it's just, a, it's a bit of a mess. They've also all got holograms, and it just doesn't feel like it's in the same universe. Right. It feels like a Blade Runner film. Oh, that's a shame. Hmm. That said, it was pretty good. I will keep watching. I'm okay. not. I'm ridden it off like Discovery. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, well, I'm glad it's some. Yeah, I'm glad there's good things to take out of it. Anyway. There was an article on the Independent that said, while Star Trek, uh, Star Wars burns as <laughs> a dumpster fire, at least Star Trek's got something. Yeah, we come to that then. Great. Oh dear. Yes, but anyway, uh, so what have we got coming up on the show? Uh, So we're going to be discussing, as said, Truman Show. Yes. Um, We are going to be talking about two losses, which are quite sad, very sad. Mm. Um, Terry Jones and Nicholas Parsons. Yeah, very sad. Broadcasting legends. Yeah. the, you know Terry Jones obviously I'm, I'm not too familiar with Nicholas Parsons for my shame but Terry Jones is like massively influential to what we consider to be great comedy yes um, the Four Nights of Mortlight some really cool stuff uh, something that if it is actually true might be our future favourite movie ooh if it, ooh. if it is true okay um, and yeah we're going to go into the Oscars because they've um, yes. some nominations have uh, come out and some of them are a bit like well, you don't need that yeah, yeah, we'll cover that. We'll have a look at it. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Okay, well, brilliant. Let's uh, get to it. Sweet. And the Academy Award for Best Picture. You're awesome. Come on. La La Land. I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. So yes, this January we suffered two losses from the broadcasting world. So Terry Jones being the first of these... Yeah, I always, I always assumed it was Sir Terry Jones, but surely they should all be sirs. You would think John Cleese is a sir, isn't he? No, or is he not? Uh, they, they, maybe because they've been critical of the Queen. Oh, they've been very naughty, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yes. Maybe they kind of blacklisted themselves. Maybe. Eric, yeah, Eric. Yeah. No, I've never said Sir in front of any of their. No. Okay. Sir Michael Palin. But that's probably for his uh, travel stuff. His travel stuff. I think he's a sir, surely. Yep. Yeah, okay. of course he is, but yes. Fair play. But anyway, yes, uh, Terry Jones, a real tragic loss. Um, of course, his 
diagnosed with dementia in 2015. Um, he lost the ability to speak, which is really tragic. Um, but he's, without doubt, a shining light. I think he's probably one of the better... But one of... Most influ- The most talented of the Pythons. He's, he's so funny. I mean, famously, everyone remembers Life of Brian when he's Brian's mum... Well, yes, I mean, yelling we did, at the crowd. We did an episode on Life of Brian. We we oozed about how wonderful that was, and yeah, absolutely amazing. Did you know um, that was based on his mum? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Exaggerated, but that was his mum. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stones, sir. Nah, they got them up there, lying around on the ground. Oh, not like these, sir. Look at this. Feel the quality of that. That's craftsmanship, sir. Uh, oh, we'll have uh, two with points and a big flat one. Can I have a flat one, Mum? Shh. Sorry, Dad. Yeah, all right. I think it was I was watching. Um, so, so Michael Palin and Terry Jones wrote a book in the eighties, and Michael Palin went to visit him a lot when he was um, near the end. Mm. And uh, but he would read him this book that they'd made together. Yeah, yeah. And um, Terry Jones would only sort of laugh at the bits that he'd written himself uh, and not the bits that Michael Palin wrote. <laughs> and then, um, so Michael Palin said after that, well, that, that just goes to show that something was still on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which was, yeah, the amazing sort of story. But Terry Jones, yeah, he was a talented writer. He was a talented director. He, I just realised he didn't just direct Life of Brian. He directed Mini of Life and co-directed Holy Grail. He was the guy. Wow. I always assumed Terry Gilliam Mental. was the guy. But yeah, um, he also... One of the shining lights of the stuff he's done for me is Medieval Lives. Right. I tweeted about this when it happened, when it came out. Medieval Lives was this really, like, small series he did on BBC. And it was so funny. Like, it was a work of art. What was it What was it about? Well, it, was, it was a documentary about medieval people, basically. Oh, really? And each episode was a different thing. They're all on YouTube, and uh, someone on the comments of one of them, fairly critique that it's the translation is medieval lives medieval people were humans <laughs> that's all it was <laughs> it's just breaking down kind of what each like the peasants the knights the monks and what each person was actually like okay it's actually really really interesting but really funny like it would cut to little animated bits from like a tapestry or people yeah it was really really good and that kind of that was what Awaken me to the fact that he's beyond the Pythons. He did mm. more, you know. Oh, mm. and he won. An, he got, uh, and he also got an Emmy nomination for that. Outstanding writing for non-fiction programming. An Emmy. I'd highly recommend it. So yes, a real sad loss for the world of comedy. But yes, we've also lost Nicholas Parsons this month. Um, you're not that familiar with him, but he was a massive broadcaster, especially on BBC. Um, he. Uh, most famous for just a minute, BBC Radio Four. No, 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 no familiarity. I'm, a, I'm, I'm so far out of the radio world. Yeah, just a minute. We used to actually do it at school. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the again, the highlight of his career for me is when he starred alongside Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mail on a comic strip presents Mister Jolly Lives Next Door. Who is it? Uh, Nicholas Parsons. Fuck off. I, I said Nicholas Parsons. I know. Fuck off. I don't care if you're a Brilliant. This is something I've, I'm pretty sure I've tried to get you to watch a few times, and I've, I'm almost certain you haven't. 
No. It Mr. Jolly Lives Next Door is proto bottom. Oh really? It's Rick and Aid being dumb, getting drunk, beating each other up. They so they're together they are the dreamy time escorts. Right. right. Um they take rich businessmen out to get drunk and spend all their money, basically. They go to an old traditional English pub. Oh, look, another old traditional English pub. Oh, that's where that hat came from, on your your 30th. Yeah. Let's see. And they live next door to Mr. Jolly, who's a mysterious man played by Peter Cook, um, another comedy legend, who is a hitman who murders people in the shop next door to them. You see the blood spray, and they're just completely oblivious. Um, They accidentally intercept a package for Mr. Jolly full of money and a name. Nicholas Parsons. Oh. They think they're going to take Nicholas Parsons out on the lash, but then realise they're supposed to assassinate him. Brilliant. And they're forced by the mob to try and kill him. And there's one of the best comedy sequences ever, which is when they're outside Nicholas Parsons' house (laughs) trying to kill him. It's amazing. It's properly amazing. So, like, they're trying to chainsaw a telegraph pole to fall into... They're trying throw a grenade through the letterbox and then realise that the grenade's too big for the letterbox. Amazing. Dink! (laughs) It goes through the door. (laughs) Through the door. (laughs) Um, And Nicholas Parsons is, is, you know, he ends up with stuck with them and, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, And he talks about it when he went on Wogan, how he loved being sent up, you know, and teased and mocked because he's a very well-spoken BBC gentleman. But he absolutely loves this, like crossover of anarchy comedy and what he stands for the old generation it's just a pure gent and an absolutely amazing sport and it's a real shame to have lost him i think um also nicholas bloody parsons is the catchphrase anyway amazing so in tribute i just thought of this we're gonna play just a minute Okay, well, uh, yeah, I have no idea what it is. So let's, right. Let's, let's do it. I can't it. it no. So you have a one minute, right, to talk about a subject. Ah. Oh. Okay. If you hesitate or have rep- or repeat yourself, I can buzz and take it from you. And whoever gets finished talking on the sixty seconds is the winner. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Just some time to prep. Um, no, let's just let's just go for it. <laughs> okay, right, ready, go. Harry Potter thinks he's just a normal boy. When one day a letter comes through his letterbox that says he's going to be a wizard and he's been invited to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, but the Dursleys they're not having it and they take all of his letters. And one day they get so annoyed that they go to a little island in the middle of nowhere and hide in a cottage. And then Hagrid comes and. <laughs> Okay, very good. So you've got 20, 19 seconds. Okay. So I have to carry on talking about Harry Potter. Okay, brilliant. All right. Right, okay, here we go. I couldn't be arsed with Harry Potter. It really, really bugged me. Um, I remember reading the book, reading 1, 2, 3, 4, loved it. End of book four, it becomes something else. 
Actually, at the end of book four is when it gets really good because the Order of the Phoenix is when some real darkness comes in and Harry not only struggles with his ongoing puberty, but he also realises that everyone in the school hates him because they think he's a liar about Cedric Diggory and he's lying about Voldemort coming back. Luckily for some, but not for others, they go to the... Okay, chill. <laughs> Damn it. Hesitation. Okay. The puberty thing is what drove me mad, because it was clearly written by a woman who doesn't understand male teenage brains. It always banged on about how he was dreaming of her lips and the kiss, and and it just was rubbish. It was... Oh, okay, past a minute. Okay, so you're closer. So I won. So you won. That's that's just just a minute. minute. Okay. Now imagine that with Paul Merton and Henning Vane. So So would you try to stop on a minute? Well, basically... In the real world, someone would buzz at a minute. Right. And that person would get the point. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Good game. Staple of Radio 4 comedy for years. And that's brilliant. I guess someone would pick, pick the subjects for them. They wouldn't come up with their own one. Yes. Yes, I think so. Okay. Yes. Speak for a minute on dogs. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good game. I like it. Very, very, very good. We should um, introduce it to our drinking sessions, maybe. Well, we used to play uh, 10 Green Bottles. Do you remember that? Uh, what did we do? We, we sang and we'd speed up and if you missed the beat you'd drink. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. I think I do now. Yeah, it was... Yeah, anyway. So rest in peace to Terry Jones and Nicholas Parsons. You've brought great joy to the world and you won't be forgotten. No, absolutely not. Absolute legends. Adam's Film Reviews Marriage Story 2019 What I love about Nicole... She is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Dad, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's very competitive. I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean, like take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! (laughs) Mom! (laughs) Mom! What? You know, most people in my business, you're just transactions to them. I like to think of you as people. Oh, okay, good. You remind me of myself on my second marriage. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Part of what we're gonna do together is tell your story. Did you dye your hair again? No, this is me. You don't like it? Is it shorter? I prefer it longer, but... Written and directed by Noah Barmbach, Marriage Story introduces us to Charlie Barber, played by Adam Driver, a successful theatre director, and Nicole Barber, played by Scarlett Johansson, a Hollywood actress turned small-scale art theatre actress. The pair are happily married, and we're ushered into the story with compliments and praise for each other's perfect share in their perfect marriage. Except it isn't a perfect marriage. The opening montage was nothing but lies, adapted from the list written by each of the characters while they attend marriage counselling. Except the counselling isn't working. The marriage is broken. Nicole, tired of Charlie's ego and self-centred behaviour, has checked out. Her rescue comes when she's offered a role in a television pilot in her hometown of Los Angeles and she departs Charlie's theatre company to live with her amiable mother in West Hollywood, taking their son, Henry, with her. 
Despite promises to resolve the marriage in an adult and friendly way, Charlie's shocked to discover that Nicole has arranged for divorce hearings with a new and cutthroat lawyer, Nora, played perfectly by Laura Dern. On the back foot, Charlie tries to find his own lawyer before the deadline is up, while juggling his fifth company and trying desperately to spend time with his son between trips back and forth from New York to Los Angeles. As the tensions rise and the court looms, the two sets of lawyers fight aggressively and, most notably, they fight dirty in their attempts to complete the divorce and divide access to Henry between the parents. It's a fight to the death! Except, it isn't. In another shock twist, the truth is that Charlie and Nicole still love each other. The divorce tears them apart, but the pair share moments of joy amongst the pain, and in some scenes, holding it together for Henry's sake, but in others, just venting pure, instinctive emotion. It's honestly quite something. Marriage Story is, frankly, a masterpiece. Part of its charm is that the environments and characters move and act like they are on stage, moving from room to room as the camera hangs back and lets them move around in the scenes. Every character has a moment to shine, with long monologues and emotional outbursts that just feel so real. It's no surprise that the reality of divorce hangs heavy on not only the characters, but on the actors themselves, and indeed, the whole story is based heavily on Bumbach's own experience with divorce. Laura Dern and Scarlett Hansen have both been through multiple divorces, and it's a true testament to the film's realism that Laura Dern's portrayal of Nora is in fact based on a real family lawyer that supported them in their own divorces. There's no true protagonist, we see the reality of the family tearing apart from every angle. We see and feel what Charlie and Nicole are going through, with the film dragging the viewer back and forth with who their sympathy should lie with, although ultimately I was absolutely on Charlie's side. But maybe that's just me. Maybe the film lends itself to different perspectives. In either case, Marriage Story's sharp wit and dry tone was enough to hook me in, and I'm blown away by this. Marriage Story is a winner, and it's available on Netflix, so there's absolutely no reason not to see it. Grab some snacks and put this on. You won't regret it. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I'd love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like they do on screen, bucket. Well, my choice. The Truman Show. Yeah, world famous. World what famous. made you choose Truman Show? Well, I was thinking about the idea of fame and um, how it's perceived today, how anyone can get famous. And I was going down that route, and then I kind of wanted to go the completely opposite direction. Hmm. What about some guy who didn't know they were famous? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I always remembered from the show some of the great moments for all the fans around the world hugging pillows with Truman on in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, they stick in my head as well. Yeah. They're barely in it. I think it's because more than anything, they're meant to be you whilst yeah, you're so. you engaging in this spectacle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, so Truman Show, 1998, directed by Peter Weir who's done loads of different things. Nothing like Truman Show, weirdly. Yeah, and it's interesting. He So he's grabbed hold of this 
when Jim Carrey is the big, most bankable comic yeah. star yeah, on yeah, the yeah, planet. Yeah. He's done Ace Ventura 1, 2, The Mask. He's absolutely... Have you done two at this point? 98? Yes. I'm yeah. going to guess on yes. All right, let's have a look. We... Oh. Please be right. I hope it's right. So I sound more smart. Yeah, 95 when Nature Cures. Bloody hell. Yeah, mental. That was early. And, oh, of course, Dumb and Dumber. So this was his bridge into very more serious films, uh, which deal with depression and stuff. Um, what am I thinking of? Uh, oh, uh, Eternal, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. One of the best films ever. So this was his one of his first significant turns that he wasn't all about doing goofy faces and stuff. Although he did pull that into the film when he could. Yeah, and I think he was chosen because he would. There was uh, Peter Weir wanted it to be more light-hearted. The script was quite dark. Mm. And the... Uh, Paramount, I think it's Paramount, um, wanted it to be lighter and more fun. And I think that's kind of why they got Jim Carrey. Bridge the gap. Yeah, I did notice that um, in the trivia on IMDb, they were saying that all the extras and crew were told not to repeat lines from Jim Carrey's film, films. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, why? yeah. What? I guess because he was sick of them, I don't know. Or like Trigger him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, alrighty then. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. so interesting uh, casting. But apparently he was the first uh, call for Peter Weir. So, yeah. I think the tonally the film is absolutely spot on because it's kind of like you were saying how it's very 1950s in its aesthetics. And it's very much, mm. it's very much like selling the American dream, the fake American dream. That's what they're trying to put across in this fake world. Yeah, I so said at one point, is this show broadcast on Fox? Yeah. Fox Channel because it's got a real conservative vibe to it. It's all very fifties. It's so whitewashed as well. Isn't yeah, it? the only black faces you see are people working mm. um, menial jobs, which is yeah, I suppose. Except for the neighbourly family who wave to him every day. Yes, yes, going another route. But yeah, so the Truman Show. What happens in the Truman Show? So we know instantly. We are instantly the audience. We're instantly aware of the fact mm. that we're watching this man who is un- completely unaware that he is the main star in a TV show. Why else is on? Yeah, let's do what else is Coming to you now from the largest studio ever constructed, it's The Truman Show! Yeah! Good morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> what if? No scripts. No cue cards. Morning, Spencer. How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? 5,000. I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. That's correct. Brilliant. So Truman is uh, the main star in Sea Haven, a wonderful, glorious, all-too-perfect town. Yes, voted the best town in the whole world. Yeah. And it's... Why visit anywhere else? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so it's sort of middle America, suburbia. Um, mm. It's a seaside town, so you've got the ocean, you've got a beach, um, which is a weird choice in the world, in the logic of the movie, because then he wants he's going to want to travel. I suppose it's the awareness. Uh, at least he's completely cut off if there's a beach. Yeah, well, yeah, which happens. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yes, yeah, so it's an island. We introduce the Christoph, who's this. Uh, he is God, and people treat him like one as well. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's in charge of not so much that, he's in charge of the life decision, the, the life turns. Well, yes. He's throwing love interests in his face, he's giving him a best friend, he's taking his dad away. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because of plot, because mm. of a plot. That's the that's the key thing. They do all these decisions. Um, the so the in the world of Sea Haven Island, in this dome, everyone Truma meets is an actor. Yeah, everyone has lines. Everyone has a set route they walk. Every day is the same, and everyone is so happy and so full of joy to see him. Mm. And uh, so there's not really. I mean, there's not much drama in it. Well, there is. There's, there's shades of it. Like, um, come on, Truman, you gotta. They having layoffs in the office. If you don't yeah. buck up, like there's these. It's a happy paradise land, but, but then these little plot things just twist. And every time they do, it's when he's becoming inspired and when he's thinking about the love interest yeah. that's taken away from him. When he's thinking about Fiji. Yes, that's the thing, because. <laughs> This blows the mind, really, when you think of the world as it is now with Big Brother and stuff. But there's they have no control, really. No. People just get in and say things, and he might fall for the wrong woman. Yeah. He falls in love with this woman, this extra over there, and he yeah. keeps trying to track her down. She keeps being moved out the way, so the actual love interest they've got planned comes in. And they can't stop that, and they can't control that he keeps thinking about her. Yeah. Although they do... Make a big deal about that. Have flashbacks to that, even though you would think they'd be too embarrassed that that was a mistake. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess that's one flaw. Is it presents the outside world as very um, accepting of all of the sinful things they do to Truman. Yeah, it's like they don't care. Maybe that's the point. They're so arrogant. They're like, yeah, so we messed up yeah. there, but whatever. And I mean, it makes all the more poignant um, when Christoph says the world outside is just as fake as the world in this one. Yeah, true. And that's showing it more than anything. So, the film kicks off with Truman starting his day as he always does, and a light crashes in the sky, from the sky, into the pavement, labelled Sirius. It's labelled one of the stars. Mm. Each star is a light. That's amazing. Um, And things start going wrong. Yeah. So, we've got the the light falls from the sky... um, What's next? The radio goes funny? And it's another beautiful day in paradise, folks. But don't forget to buckle up out there in Radio Land. Remember, good driver. Good, 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 good. That is a driver. Good, 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 good. Driver, good driver. Good, 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 good. Wait for the cue back down. Wait for the cue. Stand by one. Countdown to action. Stand by one. Heading west on Stewart. Stand by all extras. Gloria, he'll be on you in about 90 seconds. Pops, make sure the coffee's hot. Okay, he's making his turn on to Lancaster Square. Yeah, and uh, an elevator door opens and we just see the set. Oh, yeah, like, that's we see it. the behind the scenes. So he, these small things start happening. He starts getting more and more like frustrated and disconnected with his world. Mm. He starts not trusting his wife. He starts... The only person he trusts is his friend, Marlon. Yes. His best friend. He's the only one who seems to be able to turn it around on him. Um, who's been fed lines by Christoph as well, interestingly. Uh, but yeah, he all these small things start twisting and confusing him. To the point where one day he just doesn't go to work. Yeah, he just goes... He just walks around the town. He just walks... And that's when he runs into an office building, pulls open an elevator door and there's the set there's the extras eating lunch yeah uh, brilliant 
And they're like, whoa, 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 close. And it's at that point, there's no turning back. There's no, he's, he's, he's clocked on that something's going on. And then he's trying to explain it to his wife. And this handled very badly. She, oh, she's awful. She gets more and more manic and then just throws an advert in about cocoa. <laughs> Why don't you let me fix you some of this new Mococo drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua. No artificial sweeteners. What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? What I always like as well is they're trying to keep him in by making the outside world look scarier. They're doing all these cover-ups. So the light that falls from the sky was because a plane was crashing. Yeah. Um, the elevator, the one he was almost in, plummeted to the ground and caused a woman to need her leg to be amputated. All fear. And then even when he goes, the funniest thing for me is the travel agent. And then there's just <laughs> natural disasters. A plane shot by lightning. It could happen to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the uh, interesting one I, I noticed this time watching, I don't remember before, this bit when he goes, he just snaps and he tries driving over the bridge and out. And they mm. only get him by faking a nuclear explosion. You'd think would evacuate the town. But anyway, yeah. uh, the next scene we see, the bridge has been removed. Yeah. They just took it out. He took it out. Like, we well, can't have that happening again. He's yeah. going to try again. We can't have another nuclear explosion. Mm. Uh, and by the end, of course, he, 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 he just keeps twisting a knife and he famously breaks out. It's not really a spoiler. Nice. On the DVD cover. It is on the DVD cover. Yeah. It's, uh, there's some real like sad moments in the film, like, especially when he gets on the bus and then, it, yeah. and then everyone gets off the bus and he's just sat there with a kind of sarcastic smile on his face. One of the only moments we see sympathy from the extras as well is that. Yeah. Sorry, son. I'm not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can oh. see in his eyes, he's like, I'm talking to you as a person, not just as this fake person. Yes. So the film is famous, has been discussed all over the place. Um, it does also come up in media ethics courses a lot, and also philosophy things. Mainly over the fact that Christoph is portrayed as God. The mm. way he talks to Truman at the end is a mm. very, that's almost like the Bible. Well, yes, it was, yeah, the way he talks to Truman just after he, in my eyes, he wanted to kill him when, oh yeah, when the storm's going on, he's turning up and up and up. It was almost like he got to a moment, he's like, you can't leave because I don't want you to. Mm-hmm. And it's for your own good. And then Truman's- What was the thing? You can't kill him as well. He was born on air. Yeah. And you can't kill him on air. Yeah. That's the line. Yeah. It's like he's considering it. He's thinking about it. Let's do it. Mm. And then he had, like you said, he had a moment of um, empathy and then he turns it down. His eyes change. Yeah. He suddenly becomes softer. Amazing performance from Ed Harris. Yeah. Unbelievable actor, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, we have that. We have Christoph being God. We also have, oh, the, the best friend Marlon, how he's playing the best friend yeah. Being fed lines, but the main one that comes up is the the in inverted commas the prostituting of the wife, Meryl. Yes. So she is an actress. She has been hired by the Truman Show to be Truman's wife. I mean, the bit like when he he clocks in the wedding photos that she's got her fingers crossed. Yeah. And yeah, it is prostitution because she will be pretending that she wants to have sex with him. Yeah. For to. Give the illusion of true love. They also, throughout the film, they're trying to force a conception. They yeah. want them to have a baby. And there's deleted scenes, apparently, where um, 
there was going to be a second Truman Show following the child. They just, you know, the cycle oh. would just continue forever. Oh, horrendous to think of. And you think about what her life is, you know, the, the crossing of the fingers. Does she? So on the outside, well, she's going, through, must be going through hell herself. Um, like you know, you you want to hate her, and it's so much because of all her horrible adverts and stuff. But she's got this outside world. She's probably got a relationship, hence the fingers being crossed. Yep. Yeah, how though? Because he doesn't go on holiday. Well, maybe well she'll have time off. She'll get to leave the dome when he's at work. Yeah, maybe. It's I don't not, know. But then she had get... to. Be, she had to be pretending to be a nurse. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe she has like twelve-hour shifts. She's stuck in that contract. <laughs> you, you signed it. We're paying you. That uh, whatever. Well, yeah, and of course, when it starts going wrong, she's one of the first to panic. Laura Linney, um, she is in Ozark, and the third series of that's coming out in March, which I need to fix my freaking fire stick for. Um, I heavily recommend Ozark, but she is very good at playing that role of a woman you want to hate because of a controlling nature. And she she has a nagging way about her, but amazing, amazing actress. Yeah. She's always playing that kind of role, but she's brilliant. So, yeah, so the ethics on this show, on the Truman Show, is pretty heavy. It's mad. Really mad. There's references to Psalms. There's references to... Is that something that, if this was made now, would they do that? I feel like, if it was made now, if it was remade, say, Mm. they would play up the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Because there's moments we see where people have got into the show to try and tell him it's a TV show. We've also got the other love interest who yeah. is watching. We see her watching the show in tears and she's got these free Truman posters and stuff. I think, like, if it was made now, there'd be an active effort to break into the show to rescue him. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be an outside... It'll be more focused on her life. I think they it? would drop the religion... Because the world's a bit scarier now. Yeah. Right-wing people are a bit touchy about that sort of stuff. They'd drop that, but they would raise up the cancel culture? Yeah. Would it all be hashtag cancel Truman? Yeah, it would. I'm not sure how I feel about that. And how would they... I think he'd crack it through social media. They'd have something about how they'd have a fake Facebook or something. Yeah. In the world of the Truman Show. And then he'd notice indiscrepancies. There'd be... He'd be going through all these perfect profile pictures and stuff, which is actually Facebook anyway. Do you know, though, actually, another show that dealt with Facebook as a sort of thing, a metaphor for Facebook, is the Black Mirror episode when they have the chips in their heads that show replay memories. Oh, yeah. That's essentially social media. That's being able to look back at your past. Would it be like that where perhaps he starts looking at these photos and starts looking deeper at them? Yeah. There's What's that? Like like he did with the crossed fingers in the wedding photo. But you might start seeing like bits of boom mic or you know, he'd start seeing all these and why is she looking over there? Or maybe someone touching their hands yeah. to their ears. What, what am I meant to do? In this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh maybe that's quite interesting actually. Yeah. The Truman show the Truman show. The Truman show. <laughs> the Truman Truman book. The Truman True Book. True book. Love it. Ah, oh, my space. My true my my True man. space. My man. True space. That works. Instaman. Insta- <laughs> Instaman show. Be, be true. Be man. Like, what's the, what even is that? Bebo. Oh. Yeah, do you remember Bebo? Oh, no. The I, chav I, sp- I my ne- space. Ooh. 
You can't say chav. It's not. It's not nice. It was fine back then. Well, I think it's all right, but yeah. people get annoyed about it, don't they? <laughs> but anyway, so yes, do you recommend Truman Show? Oh, massively, massively. I I, mean, yeah, Jim Carrey is astoundingly good in it, um, as he is in many of his films, and it's a really it does make you think, and it's enjoy like it's one of those films. You just watch it and don't pick up your phone. You're gripped by his journey. So yeah, yeah I couldn't recommend it more. It's uh, it definitely when I watched it, I I've absolutely love it. I think I prefer it now to when I first watched it. But when I first watched it, it left a massive imprint on my life. Mm. I've always wanted to go to Fiji, and that's either Red Dwarf or Truman Show that's done that, and I don't yeah. know which one. Combination of the two, maybe. <clears throat> it's just still a fun name, I suppose. Yeah. But not only that, it, for years it left me wondering where the cameras were in my house. Ugh. Like, it really, really affected me, that. Um, I, I was saying to you earlier, I even used to imagine the camera was talking... Like I was talking to the camera, presenting to the camera. This is embarrassing. Uh, I would imagine that I was breaking the fourth wall by turning my head to the right and saying, it's a living. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, yeah, I genuinely yeah. used to do that. Um is like either Truman Show or like Clarissa that made me think that, but yeah, maybe you'll be able. Maybe when you die, whatever powers that be will allow you to rewatch those highlights. Well, it is Christmas. Yeah. To ba, know. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> yeah. And now an ad. Mm. It's yeah. It really affected me. Um. It's a bit worrying that the Truman Show has an actual syndrome. Yeah. Where people believe they're on reality TV. So someone who climbed Statue of Liberty because they thought if they got to the top they would get out of the show and get to meet their ex-girlfriend again. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And someone who thought that the 9-11 was a made-up thing as a plot twist for his own. Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, yeah, mm, a bit worrying. But, yes. Yeah, so that was the Dreaming Show. Love it. Brilliant. Watch it. Green Bucket, Adam and Rob. Nick's Game Reviews, Kingdom Hearts 3. With the Oscars on the horizon and the absolute domination of Disney in the film industry as a whole, well, I figured I'd choose a game of the generation that has that Disney link. Now, I hadn't ever played a single Kingdom Hearts game until last year, when I picked up the collection just to see what all the fuss is about. As it happens, I found myself really enjoying it. Something I really didn't expect, as Final Fantasy games in particular are a series of games that I've never clicked with. I had a week off work and ended up playing all the games in the collection in that one week. Then I got onto the third instalment, one of the most long awaited and talked about games in the history of the industry. Usually when a game is so long awaited, there's a big backlash upon release where the man babies come crawling out of their hovels to shout and scream at the world for ruining their lives and their childhoods. Yet there was nothing with this, just lots of people on the YouTubes crying at how emotional it was. So the signs were good, and when I got my teeth stuck into it, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. In a nutshell, the creators have taken the best mechanics from the first game and the best mechanics from the second game and smashed them together to make a genuinely fun and challenging game. The story is still there, although I have no idea what's going on, but I don't really care. The thing I love most is the addition in this game of the Pixar worlds. Now, I grew up on Toy Story, it's one of my favourite films of all time, so that moment you first land in Andy's house, it's just, well, frankly, brilliant. Jumping around on the Buzz Lightyear bedding that I myself had as a child was surreal. 
The balance between the Final Fantasy worlds and the Disney worlds is just right, the combat is fine. All in all, I would say that Kingdom Hearts 3 is a perfectly good game. I really enjoyed myself throughout and despite there being a ludicrous amount of cutscenes, it never really bothered me. But does it deserve to be on my games of the generation list? For me, no. But I'm not the target audience, it absolutely deserves credit for being a long awaited game that didn't disappoint and if you've grown up with the Kingdom Hearts series then you were probably throffing at the mouth while playing it. But there are too many incredible games this generation, and as good as this one is, it's not incredible. It's just another Kingdom Hearts game and that's fine. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnite. Now, there's a really, really good one, and I'm going to say it last. I was going to say it first, but I'm going to say it last. So, we're going to move on to an earlier adaption of The Thing being in the works. Mm. Let me go on. Before 1951's The Thing from Another World, John Carpenter's cult favourite The Thing in 1982, and to a far lesser degree, the 2011 prequel, there was John W. Campbell Jr.'s novella, Who Goes There? Yes. Even before that, um, there was a story adapted from Campbell's longer tale, Frozen Hell. And now Universal and Blumhouse are aiming to make a new movie based on the full novel. Blumhouse. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. That's all I know about it. I, I have no idea about this novel, um, what, what else goes on with it. Um, if it is, If the thing is a story within it... I mean, well, I was just going to say it. that. Is it going to be in the same universe? Yeah. Or is it going to be its own thing completely? I think it, if it is going to happen, it should be its own thing completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 2011, the thing, was a prequel. Yeah. And But it played on the elements from the first film, which is was cool, but they CGI'd the monsters. And that was no, unforgivable. No, unforgivable in every way. Uh, annoyingly, they did the practical effects, then they replaced them. N- no. Yeah. No. Yeah, the, the no. whoever the company was said, yeah, it's a bit outdated. Put you, some CGI I've, in I've there. never needed to swear more in my entire life. <laughs> Thing. There's videos on YouTube of the making the models and the puppets. No way. So good. By, that's the only reason The Thing is as much of a cult movie as it is. It's because cr- of how the, terrifying the, it looks. The filmmakers knew that. It was the... Uh, it was the company. Oh my god, that's sad. So, if it's anything like The Thing, let's hope, fingers crossed, that there's been enough of an 80s revival that it will be practical and it will be real monsters and Yes, puppets. for the love of god, go that route. But yes, whatever, it might be something completely different. Yeah, yeah, it might be something completely different, but either way, we're excited to see what happens to that. Um, mm, I'm, yeah. so I'm going to look into it a bit more. Um Sony, this is also good. This is also very, very good for me. Um, Sony's decided it wants to reboot Anaconda. Yes. Don't yes. want none unless yes. you got buns, hun. So Snow White and a Huntsman's Evan Doherty has been hired to work on the script. Okay. So I don't, I haven't seen Snow White and a Huntsman. Me neither. Um, Apparently it's all right. It means nothing to me. Yeah, so this one, this film will definitely be at most all right. Um, <laughs> it has been, yeah, so he's hired 
and to work on a script which will reimagine the original. By original, I mean the one with Ice Cube and J Lo <laughs> and um, who else? John Voight, Owen Wilson. It's gonna start. Had a stellar car. It's gonna start Nicki Minaj. Right, that'd be even better. And the Anaconda cannot swallow Nicki Minaj because her boobies are too big. Boobies, bum bum, bum bum, and boobies. Does she have big boobies as well? Let's find out. Uh. <laughs> well. I've just I've just introduced Rob to Nicki Minaj Anaconda. That's gonna be the theme. Ah, oh, this is meant to be a civilized show. <laughs> this is Fortnite Schmortnite. This is for the education. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she has to be. Yeah, it's definitely her. And her, that's pornographic. Yeah, that. Yeah, her butt is definitely what the Anaconda is not gonna be able to swallow. Definitely. Yeah. Um, where where was I? <laughs> wow. So yeah. Oh, um, shower. Anaconda, the original, featured a documentary crew venturing into the Amazon and crossing paths with a maniacal hunter played by John Voight, who is tracking a legendary giant snake. He derails the expedition for his own purposes, leaving the team to face both a madman and a huge snake that wants to crush them and swallow them whole. It's, it's, it's basically it's the plot of, like, oh, Cannibal Holocaust, Kong, it's, King Kong. Yeah. It's, and it's the perfect B-movie. I don't, uh, Is it going to start The Rock? The Rock? Nicki Minaj? I would want Ice Cube to come back into uh, yeah, it. True. Because oh, he yeah. was so good in it. He was so good in it. It was such a cool movie. And even though the snake effects were terrible, they were equally really cool. I need to re-watch we, it. We are, we I are. I can only think of Anaconda 2, I think. Oh, Hump Full of Blood Orchid. Really, really yeah, bad. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. No, we're watching we're watching Anaconda <laughs> next week sometime. Okay, right. <laughs> um, moving on. Blade Runner 2049 director Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I've forgotten how. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Don't let me play that clip again. No, no, no. Denis Villeneuve. No, 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 no. Has expressed his desire to return to the Blade Runner universe. Speaking to Empire in a hundred greatest movies of the century issue. What? It's only 2020. Alright. Um, Blade Runner 2049 came in at number 45 on the list. Villeneuve. 45? Should be higher. Villeneuve looked back at his experience working on the Villeneuve. film. Villeneuve. Villeneuve on the film and hinted that he might not be done with that universe yet. Yeah, this is really exciting. It's such an inspiring place, the Blade Runner world, he says, adding that he would be interested in another movie if it was unconnected from the first two. The problem is to have the word sequel, he says. I think cinema needs original stories, but if you ask me if I'd like to revisit this universe in a different way, I can say yes. It would need to be a project on its own. Something disconnected from both other movies. A detective noir story set in the future. Yes, please. Uh, can we have that, please? Yes, yes, yes. I wake up sometimes in the night dreaming me about it, he says. Wow. That Yeah. That's amazing. See, he's he's he must be, like, the best sci-fi director at the moment. Yeah. With yeah. Arrival. Well, yeah, he just won... Um, well, he's I doing uh, June at the moment. Yeah. Um, he won Director of the Decade for... Um, Did he? Yeah, I can't remember what the awards were. But if he won a particular award, Director of the Decade. That's really cool. Yeah, no, more Blade Runner. Don't, it doesn't have to be related. No. Just send me back to that world. Just um, just a detective solving a murder in that world would you be You saw fantastic. Mute, didn't you? 
No. Okay. But I know I'm familiar with it. I think I watched an episode or two of my brother. It's a film. Yeah. It's by Duncan Jones. It's set in the Moon universe. It's a sequel, spiritual sequel to Moon. Really? Um, it's even got Sam Rockwell turns up in it. Uh, and it's a man in a future noir city trying to find out where his girlfriend's gone. Ah. If you've not seen it, oh, you must. Okay. It's on Netflix. All right, cool. Now that that will sate your taste a little bit for, okay. uh, for that sort of stuff. If it's if it's in that kind of ilk, then I'll 100 percent give it a go. Yes, yes, yes. Now, drum roll, please. Paramount is reportedly working on two more Transformers movies, one of which is said to be Beast Wars. Whoa! Beast Wars. Yes, we yes. were talking about this like last week. We were talking we? about it last week. We said the one thing that the franchise needs to save it is something a bit smarter. With some better writing with Beast Wars. Beast Wars. Yeah. Um, we've, yes. we've already talked about Beast Wars, um, but just to say it again, it had the best writing of any like kids show that we experienced growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was coming out at the time. The effects were incredibly dated now, but I think they're really cool. No, it's part of the charm. It's definitely. But, I think they were dated at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Beast Wars was like a like any other thing: Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever. It was made to sell the toys, but after the first series, I think they got in proper writers, and it became really, really, really good. It became a drama thriller, like it was just. Simon Furman took over, who was a long-time Transformers scribe, um, so he brought back all those elements from the original franchise. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I don't think Transformers would be as big as it is now. With not... Comic books and different series going on. I mean, it was. A... It reinforced it. It was an entry in for kids to to find Transformers post Beast Wars because I'm sure there was thousands of kids who probably wouldn't have been that into Transformers and got got in through Beast Wars because yeah, they yeah, liked yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because animals were cool in the nineties, well, especially when you got a dinosaur fighting a gorilla in the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Beast Wars is awesome, 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 awesome. Can't yeah. wait. I can't um, wait to see what they do. As long as Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi and JJ Abrams. Get away! Go, just stay far. Stay just, just nowhere near it, please. Put it in capable hands. Put also, it... Michael Bay. Get, get away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael Bay has to stay well away. Peter Jackson, on the other hand. Ooh, that might be his um, his moment to come back. Or Gareth Edwards, who did Monsters. Mmm. Mm. All I know so far is the film is said to be written by James Vanderbilt, who is known for writing films like Murder Mystery and like Zodiac. Okay. Now, Zodiac is a film about trying to find a serial killer. Zodiac's one of the best films ever made. So, yeah, please. Because Beast Wars is... I don't know. Well, I guess it does have... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. It's very grown up sometimes, Beast Wars. Mm. All the time. Mm. Um, I think Rise of the Planet of the Apes people should do it, personally. Yeah. Because Rise of the Planet of the Apes tells the Transformers' main battle without it being unrelated. Like, right. Caesar and what's his name are basically Optimus and Megatron. But this oh, is because I'm a massive nerd. My yeah. But their, their general philosophy of war or peace. Yeah. That was what the main thing was. So, yeah. Yeah. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Whoever wrote that, write Beast Wars. Write Beast Wars. And then get the people who did the apes to do Beast Wars. The only problem I see with it, and I'm really glad it's been written, it's going to need one hell of a budget. Because it's got so the, there's no respite. The animals there's if it's true beast wars, there's only cavemen around and they're hardly seen. Yeah, they yeah, hope well. Yes, hopefully there's nothing to do with humans. Yeah, but it, the original beast wars story before the show 
was it was modern times. Right. That's a concern. What if they do that? Don't want them to do that. I want them to be prehistoric. Just them in mm. in the desert. Yep. Yep. But yep. it's not going to be like that. It's going to be the modern day. There's going to be an annoying teenager. Oh my god, there are animals and they transform? And there'll be a, a bloody sausage dog. Yeah, don't do it. Oh, that's... Oh, oh god, man. There's a high chance that we could either watch a film where we come out crying of happiness, oh, or we come out of it and we start trashing the cinema. <laughs> so... Well, we'll do it ourselves. Yeah, give it to us. We know exactly what to we do. We know exactly what to do. Yeah. Right, good, okay. And good. thus ends Fortnite's Mortnite. Oh, wow, okay, brilliant. Okay. Um, just to add one more, uh, previous episode, me and Nick uh, talked at length about Article 13. This was a ridiculous EU law. Oh, was yes. Absolute nonsense. It was all about copyright, it was all about um, stopping things on the internet, basically, including GIFs, memes, clips from f- uh, films and TV shows, everything. Probably would have stopped things like this show going out as well. The first bright star in Brexit is the fact that we've refused to accept Article 13. Good. It's not happening here. Fantastic. Not even a version of it's happening here. Great. Which is fantastic. In fact, uh, it's still possibly going to happen in Europe. The CEO of YouTube has said that might mean we don't go to Europe. It's that big a deal. It's absolutely mad. And we've got round it. We're fine. We're free. We're, we're free. free. We're free which, of the evil Article 13. Which for people like us is brilliant because it means we can have like complete freedom more or less with what we do, with what we produce. There's a whole generation of people who speak yeah. only in memes. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, anyway, so yes. Good news. Hey. Yeah, brilliant. Adam's Film Reviews. The Irishman. 2019. It's over. They're all gone. Frank, it's time. It's time you say what happened. <laughs> Frank, I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. Better watch. There's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? You're not afraid of tough guys, are you? Yeah. I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs. Until I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. I know you read a lot of things about me. I just want to say I'm sorry. I know I wasn't a good dad. I know that. I know that. I was just trying to protect all of you. From what? You didn't see what I see, what I've been through. Released on Netflix in 2019, The Irishman is the latest epic work by acclaimed filmmaker Martin Scorsese. Adapted by Stephen Zalian from the novel I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brand, The Irishman introduces us to Frank Sheeran, an elderly man played by Robert De Niro, as he recounts his days working for the mob in downtown Philadelphia. Soon enough, we're whisked away to the 1950s, where we find an impressively de-aged De Niro playing the younger Frank as a delivery driver, skimming off his cargo for a profit for a local gangster, introduced to Russell Buffalino, played by the wonderful Joe Pesci. Frank is introduced to mob boss after mob boss and yada yada blah blah blah. Oh my god. Martin Scorsese, in the words of King Missile, makes the best films. 
In The Irishman, he's told an epic tale spanning several decades, introducing dozens of characters and showing, as Frank sees it, the complexity and agony of living through and looking back at the choices he made as he murders, beats, threatens and negotiates his way through the dark and seedy underworld. It's wonderful. But Jesus, why does it have to be so long? It looks beautiful. It's well told. It's directed amazingly. The actors are wonderful. Perfect. Christ almighty, is there anything left to say? Oh yeah, it's boring. Sorry, let me repeat that. It's boring. Around about an hour and a half in, I started to feel distracted. The Irishman is a love letter to the mob films of Scorsese's past, and it's fine, it just isn't for me. So before I drone on for another 30 minutes as you gradually tire and sob and ache and wish for the end, allow me to whisk you away to... Adam's Film Reviews. What did Jack do? 2017. Just released on Netflix, What Did Jack Do is a 17-minute short film written, directed, edited and starring the mad director himself, David Lynch. In this short, David Lynch plays the detective. His purpose? To interview a talking monkey who's suspected of murder. The pair verbally duel for the length of the short, using common phrases, catchphrases and tongue twisters to argue their point as Jack, the monkey, protests his innocence and ignorance of the chicken he is said to love before breaking out into song about his love. I laughed virtually the whole way through. David Lynch's Twin Peaks are showing visibly here and with more than a dash of a razor head as well. As one reviewer put it on Rotten Tomatoes, what did Jack do is weird as hell and I just can't get enough of it. Put it up on Netflix and engorge yourself in the madness. It's wonderful. And more importantly, it's short. Yeah. Oscars, 92nd Academy Awards, 2020. Oh, how exciting. Do you like the Oscars? Uh, don't care. Yeah, you know what? It is nice to look back on years gone by and see what won. It's fascinating, but I don't stay up and watch it. I have done. Mm. Mm, wouldn't recommend it. I yeah, I've seen. I have. I have done before. I've seen bits of it live before. I there is a big uh, South Parky fart smelling when they smell their own farts. In South Park. <laughs> it mean. is so smug. Do you know the the worst part? I think is that the first hour and a half, two hours, is them just looking at people's dresses. Oh, what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Can't stand that at all. Even the official Oscar website has, like, best dressed. Oh, no. And surely, it was felt out of date in 2013. Like, surely by now that's wrong. 
Well, speaking of South Park, the best thing ever was when Bigger, L- Longer and Uncut was nominated for <laughs> yeah. best score or something like that, best yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone turned up on acid. In, was it acid or mushrooms? It was acid. <laughs> in dresses. <laughs> Such a beautiful day. Such a, so everyone's so beautiful. Yeah. And they were just directly saying, look at this bollocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think people with last year's see it as two ways. People either love it or they hate it. People who hate it it's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. People love it, go a bit crazy. I think it's quite good to see films represented. I like to look back at the list. Yeah, no, you're right. More so, weirdly, more so than the Oscars and the BAFTAs. Yeah? I don't know why. Something about the Oscars. Um, but yeah, so we've got all the nominees. I've got them all up here. I've, I've wrote them all out. The films and then what they've been uh, nominated with. Annoyingly, unlike previous years, I've seen very few no, I mean, and I, it's not like I haven't been to the cinema this year, this last year. Well, the, a lot of them haven't. We haven't had the opportunity to in this country yet, we've, well, unless we've done naughty naughties. The Lighthouse, yeah, Parasite. Yeah, those are, those right, are the yeah. two I was thinking of. Uh, two Popes just completely skipped over me. And that's a Netflix film, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Fine. Um, a lot of the animated ones. I don't even know. I lost your body. What the hell's that? Nope. Missing Link did look quite good. Klaus was a Netflix thing. How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, Toy Story 4. I missed. I skipped Toy Story 4. Didn't care. No. Well, I, I, I was never a Toy Story fan. Well, you know. I, I, I really loved it, but I was never... There are people who talk about Toy Story. Most people talk about Toy Story with such love, and I, I'm not one of those people. So I was never driven to, to watch. Fair enough. I, I couldn't be bothered with Ford versus Ferrari either. Oh, boring. Yeah. There's, um... Rush, was it Rush? Yes. With Chris Hemsworth and um, that sounds right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was directed by Ron Howard. Mm. And if you need to watch a Formula One film, watch that because it's so good. There doesn't need to be another film. I'm, I'm being bad because I haven't seen it. It could be great, but well, I've heard it's really good, and it's got film editing, which is the thing people have raved about on it. I've heard people say it's really boring. Right. Yeah. But I think maybe it's one of those ones if you're into this it. This is a Christian Bale, and I hate him. I can't stand him. Oh, really? Really can't stand oh, him. Oh, fair enough. Machinist might be the only thing I actually liked him in. Uh, Maleficent, yeah, Rocky Man, the Lion King can be us. So, yeah, so I feel a bit bad. Richard Jewell, that's got one nomination. That I haven't seen yet. It's not out yet. So, yeah, the few I have seen... See if you've seen them as well. Did you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? You saw Joker? Yeah. You haven't seen Bombshell? No. Jojo Rabbit? Nope. Yeah. Last you've seen? Yeah. Well, Skywalk you've seen? Yeah. Frozen 2? Nope. Uh, Ad Astra? Nope. Avengers Endgame? Yeah. Knives Out? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Irishman? I saw, I saw half of the Irishman. And Marriage Story. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. Seen a few. Luckily, I've seen the ones with the most nominations, which is handy. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's nominated for uh, Leonardo, Brad Pitt, both nominated for their acting. Brilliant, they were good. Uh, cinematography, costume design, directing, best picture, production designs, and blah, blah, Ah, I thought it was boring. Yes. Um, I've heard people... It's the most sort of Marmite Quentin Tarantino film that's come out. Yeah, I'd say you're it? probably right. People, some Second people love it, some people hate it. Hateful Eight? Hateful Eight, yeah. 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 It, it looks 
brilliant. Cinematography and costume design absolutely should be nominated. I'm surprised they didn't do hair as well. It looks the part. It looks like Hollywood. Right. It the whole thing is a love letter to Hollywood. Mm. And that's why I can stand it. Okay. It's just too syrupy. That's what they do to get the Oscars, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. And as soon as you see it, you think, this is an Oscar bait. Yeah. This is an Oscar bait because it's saying how wonderful film is. Yeah, like, oh, wow. And they love us so much. They did. It looked beautiful. The, the set design was amazing. They had, like, classic magazines in the racks in the background. Oh, wow. You know, stuff like that. Wow. Really interesting. I thought it was boring. I think Tarantino up for writing... Meh. Don't just give it to him because he's a Tarantino. Well, that's it. Directing... Yeah, I guess. It was the story that was boring. But the directing, the pace, and it was really long. So, yeah, not sure about that. Definitely not best picture category for me. Joker. You've got opinions on Joker. It was a great film. It was really good. Um, I think, as from what I've seen, Joaquin Phoenix needs to win Actor in the Leading Role. He was absolutely... Yes, he was incredible agree, in it. I agree. Um... I didn't fall in love with it, and it's nothing against the film. It's just not my film. It's just not my kind of film. It, it, of course, it was, at the time, it was uh, people hated it before it came out. I think me included. I was moaning about, oh, what's this going to do? And I was, I was talking out my hoop. It turned out. Um, it's um, it's been nominated for lots of categories. Directing, I'd agree with. Editing, I'd agree with. Makeup and hairstyling. Mm, I no. Seems a bit thrown in. Original score. I don't remember the original score being that good. I remember the soundtrack being good. There were loads of different awesome songs, but the original score I don't remember. Cinematography. Yeah, it's a funny one, that. Yeah, cinematography I can see. Writing I'd put it down for, definitely. Adapted screenplays up for. There's If there's there's one fit, well, we'll get to the film that should win cinematography. But yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bombshell so this is I reviewed last time um, it was a film that could have been better you said it could have gone further could have been braver it should have been more significant um, in my review I mentioned uh, Black Clansman Vice uh, Spotlight all three had the same theme where it, it didn't have a full stop right you saw Black Clansman didn't you yeah the ending is unbelievable oh my god that was it, me, it me and my mum were both in tears. Yeah, so was I, right in the middle of the cinema. It it takes what was happening in the 70s to the modern day, and it's awful. Yeah. And you leave the film going, Ugh, the world is horrible. Yeah. This is still happening. This needs to be fixed. Uh, Vice, same thing. Uh, Spotlight, same thing. Bombshell had a full stop. It went, day is saved. Man uh, is gone. All right. It should have been... It should have opened the door to Me Too. It should have been what introduces people who might have been on the fence and not really known too much about it should have brought them in this is still going on this but is it easy. kind of yeah. says yay ah. bad guy's gone not 100% but yeah it, it could have gone for that said Charlie Ferron and Margot Robbie both nominated for actress in leading and supporting role absolutely they but- are top runners for me because they were brilliant they're, they're good in everything Margot Robbie especially she was incredible you know we talked about I, Tonya yeah there's a scene where she's crying as she does her makeup and it's so like that scene's amazing brilliant she has a very similar moment in this film and it's like yeah um, Jojo Rabbit so there's a big talk about Jojo Rabbit it's got some weird 
feed, negative feedback, pushback even. I don't know why. Is it was it because people were falsely accused of trivialising like the cruelness and the horribleness of Nazis? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, basically. So what they're saying is, in this day and age, when there's, I mean, fair, 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 genuine Nazis on everyone's doorstep, that it makes them out to be normal people. But isn't that the trick to crossing the bridge and fixing things? Yes, that's exactly it. So. The film is uh, preaching anti-hate from the first shot. It's about a child who's brainwashed by society to be in the Hitler Youth, so much so he even has an imaginary friend who is Hitler. But it's a child's version of Hitler. He's infantile, he's, he's obnoxious, he's loud, he gets excited. Um, played by writer-director Taika Waititi. But as the film goes on, Jojo starts a ima- starts experiencing things that Hitler disagrees with even his imaginary Hitler disagrees with and by the end they're just adversaries, enemies the problem is in the people around him who are Nazis are kind of nice they're kind of funny oh really? but that's the kind of the thing that no weren't all bad sorry to say no they're all like a lot of them were just soldiers yeah as we talked about talking about Inglorious Bastards humans Hmm. had normal lives then got forced into war and it's still got its harrowing moments. They're still bad. Yeah. Like, Scarlett Johansson, who's nominated as an actress in the sports world. Spoilers, I don't want any spoilers. She's anti-Nazi. All right. And we know why, basically. Costume okay. um, design absolutely should be in there. Uh, film editing, yep. Production design, again, same with costume design. It looks so real. Mm. There's a moment when Sam Rockwell turns up in full gear and you think, did have good uniforms in there. Oh, they had the best uniforms. He, look, he does look good in that. Yep. Um, and writing again. So, I, I, best picture, maybe not. It's okay. nominated for best picture. I'm not sure it's as good as that. But, costume design, production design, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then we get to 1917. Ding, win, done. And I haven't seen I haven't seen Marriage Story. Um, I was reading um, online that... Um, people thought 1917 should have won until they watched Marriage Story so but we'll stay away from that one but in terms of 1917 it's definitely the best film I've seen this year by a mile Roger Deakins who obviously did 2049 he's an incredible incredible cinematographer I wasn't blown away by 1917 as much as you were but Roger Deakins a cinematographer needs to win that yeah there's nothing else that it could be than him. He, uh, I saw some behind-the-scenes stuff, and the way they built entire miniature, the, the ruined town, for oh, example. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They pad like a miniature town, and they moved lights around to see how the lights would reflect <laughs> so they could make that absolutely beautiful scene. One of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen on film. Easily. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Roger Deakins must win that. He is yeah. a magician. Yeah. Um... That said, they've also got a nomination for makeup and hairstyling. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure it should be in there. I mean, fair enough, they did they did good nineteen like nineteen tens haircuts, but I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a lot we didn't see, but when a lot of it were in long chunks, mm. you'd think that the makeup and hairstyling was being dealt with by essentially the production design. Because they're falling in mud and stuff. Uh, I mean, the wounds look pretty good. I guess that's true. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Also, the one I'm not sure about is visual effects. Oh, yeah, that rat and those cows. As we said on the show, those animals were pat. Yeah, they should have come up with another plot device. I don't know if visual effects includes practical. That's that's the question mark, because if that's true, then fair enough. But then I think that comes under production design, which is also nominated for. Yeah. Um, yeah, sound mixing, I'd agree. Writing. There's not much in there. Oh, it's very good, though. It's. For, I think it's very good. But to be... Oh, no, no, to no. get an Austinom over other things for writing and a, basically a visual uh, Why story. it's in there is because of um, how the soldiers are talking at the start. The ones in the trenches. When Andrew Scott... Um, oh, that's true. That is true. The, the gallows humour and the kind of... Yeah. All right, you're going to your death. That, that kind of stuff. I thought the writing was absolutely brilliant. I just think that as a, as a film, as a story, it's more of a visual thing. That's why cinematography definitely needs to be in there. I'd even argue directing, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But directing, definitely. Well, yeah. Yeah. It didn't definitely. do much, though. It just followed him. No, but it was so tense. <laughs> it was so well, well that's, done. That's part of doing things in one shot. I think we should try something in one shot one day. Yeah. Because it does add tense stress to Did I tell you, in my review, I mentioned that when I saw it at the cinema, there's a woman behind me at the end went, God, it's the most stressed I've ever been in a film. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. We, I think we were too positive on it. Do you know what it was? It was glass half empty and we went in and it was alright. Like, yeah. I'm not, not going to go back and say it was absolute rubbish because it wasn't. But because my expectations were so low. Yeah, you might be right. I was like, okay, no, I've been entertained here. I've been wowed. Cool the bits. more I think since then, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh. yeah. But then that's JJ Abrams. I've never been a fan. I've always said it. Um, but it's been nominated for original score, John Williams, sound editing, and visual effects. Well, all of them were great. So sound editing, I'd agree with. Visual effects, it didn't look as good as it could have done. It was it. Well, yeah, it, it was. It looked beautiful, but it was, um, I think it was it very was a, jumbled in some ways. I think it was a bit rushed because. Again, well, then again, maybe that includes practical because there was a lot of practical stuff. Mm. Um, I, wa- I follow stuff on YouTube. I follow, because I'm a nerd, uh, it's a guy who an- analyzes spaceships. Right. And he analyzed some ships from Rise of Skywalker. And he was furious. He hated it. Really? Because he, as you pointed out, because he obviously studies this stuff, um, the Star Destroyers we see coming out of the ground, mm. okay, they look like the original Star Destroyers which he obviously knows because he's a nerd uh, but he but they're scaled up they're right. much bigger than the original one and the model was scaled up they literally just stretched it uh. and they didn't unstretch the windows they didn't do so actually it's just a stretch ship oh no it's why? really bad really why oh. why they just needed to do it so they have something big. Just make the windows smaller. So, oh, but why man. not just have the original... Like, yeah, it's things like that. You think, what? Mm. What are you doing over there? God. But yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Frozen 2, thankfully, not nominated for anything apart from song. Because it was rubbish. Nice. Ad Astra. This is a... Sound mixing's always a bit of a funny one. It's the pity vote. It's the yeah. pity nomination. 
Ad Astra was brilliant. Really, really good film. It was like what Interstellar should have been. They've given it as a pity thing, just they're just acknowledging that it's good. So yeah. Avengers Endgame, visual effects. That's it. All it got. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. fine. Uh, Knives Out got writing, original screenplay. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I think the directing was the issue. I, yeah. Not the writing, so yeah. Yes. And of course, Lighthouse and Parasite still need to see. Yes, and it's essential that we do, and we will as soon as possible, and we'll probably rant and rave and love it and be full of joy. Yes, Hopefully. Yes, yes. The other one I probably should have seen is Little Women. Yes, that's I apparently very, very good. I feel like I didn't even notice that come out, so. Yeah. But yeah, Oscar noms. So, what do you reckon is going to be a best picture? Uh, 1917 or a marriage story because I don't know I think it has to be 1917 for me what about you do you know what I'm not saying it's what I want but I reckon Joker will get it look at all the nominations he's got quite a lot of nominations and I think it had more of a social impact as well yeah. and that often sways Especially with films like this. I really hope Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't. I don't think it will. Oh, surely not. Not Best Picture, anyway. No. Certainly some of the other stuff. Yeah. I would probably give Brad Pitt the supporting role. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. This time, well, on the next show, we'll, uh, we'll look back at it. Brilliant. Is that why you're in the dress? It's just such a magical evening, and everyone, it's just everyone looks so spectacular, you know? We just wanted to be a part of it all. It's a night of magic. What? Come on. Well, that was the show. That was the show. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. What are you going to do now, Adam? I am going to... What am I going to do? I don't know. (laughs) I literally don't know. But now the video is done for Twoggers, it's... uh... I'm at a bit of a loss, and it, the sound mix needs doing, but it, yeah, I sort of feel like I've lost the part of me. Oh. No. All good things. Yes, the list is still very long, though. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's not look at that list. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, so. Uh... Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, it's been great, as always. Um, please tune in for the next exciting installment where we'll be talking about Oscars and other such things. Mm. Follow us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter, um, at Hollowdale Media on Twitter and Instagram, and follow us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hollowdale Media. If you like what we do, please consider sending us just the price of a cup of coffee. Yeah. Just nothing it. more, just a can of Coke. And all of the proceeds will go back straight into our projects and we can create more and more Incredible, incredible, absolutely lovely, lovely stuff. We've got big plans this year, and anything you can donate will help us make our dreams come true. Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. So, yes, see you in a fortnight, everyone. And in case I don't see you, good Good afternoon, afternoon, good good evening, evening, and good good night. night.